Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by the Terrell Fund, supporting reimagined childcare. PNC, grow up great. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority. RWJ Barnabas Health. NJM Insurance Group, serving New Jersey's drivers, homeowners, and business owners for more than 100 years. PSENG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy, now and in the future. New Jersey Institute of Technology, NJIT, makes industry-ready professionals in all STEM fields. And by Choose New Jersey. Promotional support provided by New Jersey Family Magazine, a resource for New Jersey parents. And by Meadowlands Chamber, building connections, driving business growth. I'm Steve Adubato. Welcome to a special edition of Think Tank on News 12 Plus. We're joined by our good friend, longtime colleague, Cecilia Zalkine, President and CEO, Advocates for Children of New Jersey. Cecilia, how are we doing? Great, Steve. Thank you for covering this issue. Well, we've been covering it together for a long time. Um, you advocating us, trying to create public awareness. People are about to see an interview that we did with Natalie Renew, who is director of Homegrown. By the way, tell everyone what Homegrown is. Homegrown is a national advocacy organization supporting family childcare, which is childcare provided in an individual's home. And now tell everyone, make sure they know what Advocates for Children of New Jersey are and why you matter so much. So ACNJ is a statewide child advocacy organization. We focus on the well-being of children with the goal of ensuring that every child has the chance to grow up safe, healthy, and educated. And what happens in the early years from birth to three are critically important, especially education. And for young children, childcare is education. So, Seal, for years we've been working on this uh, reInvent Childcare initiative, right? There's a childcare crisis. We just, uh, we're about to actually tape a live stream interview, excuse me, a panel discussion on the childcare crisis. Succinctly, describe what the crisis is, not only in the state, but in the nation. So I think the crisis existed before the pandemic, but the pandemic really heightened what the issues are. Uh, Childcare is struggling, struggling to provide quality care at affordable prices for parents. And what we've seen during the pandemic is that programs who are struggling have had to close. Um, and now that the state is reopening, schools are reopening, childcare is needed even more. What we're discovering is that staff is key to childcare. And there's an enormous difficulty in hiring and retaining staff. Um, they get paid minimum wage. Um, they are most often do not have benefits. And I think that a lot of things are coming together to demonstrate very dramatically that this is an industry that is, one, important to the state, and two, we need to invest in. As you listen to SEAL and we get ready to watch this Think Tank program here on News 12 Plus, remember, and by the way, you'll see the website for... Uh, reinvent childcare. It's an ongoing initiative. It's not a one-off segment or a program. It's a commitment to public awareness around this childcare crisis. That's why we've been working with SEAL and her folks at ACNJ and so many others who are 
part of the child care community. It matters to everyone, whether you have a young child or not. And that's why we're doing this. And Seal, I want to thank you and check out the following Think Tank program. It's really important. High quality child care for infants and toddlers is essential for working families, businesses, and the economy. An investment in childcare is an investment in the workforce. We have the opportunity to reimagine childcare by making it more affordable, accessible, and equitable. It's time to build back better. Learn more about the Reimagined Childcare campaign by visiting the website at reimaginedchildcare.org. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. Welcome to a very special town hall meeting with some extraordinary guests who understand the issue of childcare better than most. This is part of a series we've been doing called Reimagine Childcare. This streaming, if you will, town hall looks at the childcare crisis, not just in New Jersey, but across the country. You may ask, what do you mean a childcare crisis? A crisis in employees, there's a shortage of staff, affordability, there are people who are not able to work because they can't get child care for their children. It is not enough of a priority. I'm not here to editorialize, but it's not enough of a priority for our public officials with all the other priorities they have. And so we're going to be looking at the child care crisis from a variety of perspectives. And to do that, and by the way, COVID has made what has already been a crisis even worse. So in that spirit, let me introduce enough from me, but our distinguished panel. First, our, our longtime friend joining us, Cecilia Zalkine, President and CEO, Advocates for Children of New Jersey. Seal, good to see you. Thank you for having me. All the way from Harvard, Dr. June Lely is a senior lecturer in early childhood education, the chair of the Human Development and Education Program at Harvard Graduate School of Education, and also State Assemblywoman Yvonne Lopez, representing the 19th Legislative District, very involved, very committed to child care and child care advocacy. Assemblywoman, thank you so much for joining us. And finally, back again with us is Winifred Smith Jenkins, Senior Director of Zadie's Nurturing Den, which is a highly respected child care organization, not just in New Jersey, but across the country. Um, and by the way, throughout this program, we'll be putting our Reimagine Child Care website up. People can go up and find more information. Seal, let me start with you and let's jump right into this. What exactly is the child care crisis, A and B? Why should everyone watching right now, now care deeply? Well, the child care crisis actually is not new. I think the issues confronting child care existed long before the pandemic, but the pandemic has made them worse and also much, much more visible. Issues around how parents can find affordable, high-quality care, how programs can uh, support themselves in a time of great stress when they're businesses that don't have uh, a lot of financial wherewithal uh, to support themselves, and the, the pandemic has certainly exemplified that. And I think the most critical issue is the child care staff. Uh, this is a staff that has been undervalued and underpaid for years, and I think as things reopen in our state, 
and there's a greater demand for childcare programs, which you'll hear today, are struggling to hire staff back for staff to return or hire new staff. And it's important, not just to the families who need it, but to our state. This is essential to our economy. Doctor, I want you to jump in here. You're listening to Seal talk about uh, child care professionals, the workers, the frontline folks, not being appreciated enough. A, why do you think that is, doctor? And B, what do we specifically and precisely need to do about that? And one of the reasons we have the Assemblywoman on is because she's going to talk about her legislation dealing directly with that. Dr. Lee, please. Well, I think the work of caring professionals in general um, tend to be undervalued. Historically, um, women tend to fill that particular role. And in the childcare sector, we have uh, women of color that fills that role uh, in a significant way. Um, I think the one thing that we have to start is to recognize that childcare providers are professionals regardless of whether they have had access to the kind of credentialing opportunities that they have. We just have to recognize that the work they do is professional and their professional work is part of the infrastructure of a basic society, whether we're thinking about education and employment. So seeing them, recognizing them as professionals would open the doors for us to think about compensating them fairly, provide them the kind of opportunity for the kind of credentials and education and development they need, and to integrate them into the larger world of education and social service and health professionals, as opposed to think of them isolated as just childcare providers or babysitters and so on. And by the way, as I, I go to uh, um, our other colleagues in this program, and I'm gonna ask Winifred about the front line, situation and, and, and what's happening with her workers. But I just want to remind folks, whether you have children of a certain age, you know, zero to three, zero to four, or not, this is an issue that affects all of us. I mean, just think about how many men and women have a very difficult time going to an office, not going to an office, but working from home. And they don't have quality, affordable, accessible childcare. This isn't simply a child care issue. This is an issue that affects all of us, particularly those who care about our economy and functioning and business and being able to pay our bills and, and live our lives. And, and in that spirit, Winifred, let me ask you, uh, you heard Cecilia and Dr. Lee talk about frontline workers. What are you seeing? By the way, tell everyone what Zadie's Nurturing Den is, A and B, what's happening with your professionals? So Zadie's Nurturing Den um, is a family-owned and operated childcare center that educates children from zero to six years old. Um, Pre-pandemic, we employed over 90 people, 96% which were women of color or immigrants and 4% which were white. Uh, we cared for and educated over 350 children. Currently, those numbers look totally different um, and that's part of the problem, right? Um, it's a problem of staffing shortages. We have at least eight empty classrooms at uh, one of our facilities, four empty classrooms at another facility. Um, the undervaluing and underappreciation, because again, 90% across you know the industry and workforce, 90% of which are women, um, society doesn't seem to place a lot of value on the care and education of young children. Do you think people understand, like say, okay, Argument's sake, 
they're underappreciated, they're undervalued. But do you think most people understand the impact of those professionals in the childcare world being unappreciated, undervalued? Because it's a devastating impact, Winifred. I don't. I think that um, if you just go back to like just the basic job description, right? Um, right. The women in the classroom and men too, if they're there, but early care and educators, they're to develop an effective learning environment that builds a foundation for language, cognitive skills, and social emotional functioning in a developmentally appropriate manner. So we're literally setting the foundation for a child's entire life. Children make the most gains between zero and five than they'll humans than they'll ever make across the board, right? Um, so I don't think that people understand the true impact of what the profession brings to society. By the way, I'm going to go to Dr. Lee in a little bit to talk about the long-term educational implications of a child not having uh, quality, accessible, affordable childcare. But Assemblyman, let me ask you, your personal connection, A, to childcare, and B, we'll talk about your legislation. Why do you care so much? You know, as a former CEO of a preschool here in Perth, the Envoy, the... I saw childcare and how devastating it was before the pandemic. And now after the pandemic, we're in a deeper crisis, right? I remember days when um, the parents would drop off the kids and they would be rushing because they would have to get to work and they wouldn't—they they would not swipe their cards. So we found that to be a pattern. And what we did was we assigned um, I, I, one of my staffers to come to the front lobby to help the parents with swiping the cards. And these are all, these, this is all subsidy-driven um, childcare, by the way. Um, my preschool, we had 75 students, right, ages three to five. We had probably about 10 teachers, and it was difficult. You know, we had to, um, the Board of Education um, provided the funding, $1.1 but we had to put in an additional $250,000 to sustain the school. So for me, um, childcare has always been uh, really close to my heart. Um, I would tell you that um, last year, in when the pandemic started, the legislature was a hundred percent focused on COVID-related relief, everything from uh, rental assistance to food insecurity to utilities to yeah, uh, you know, a telemedicine. Where child, I'm sorry for interrupting, Assemblyman. Assemblyman, uh, mm -hmm. where did childcare fit into this discussion in the state legislature? It's always been, uh, for me, it's always been... Uh, Not just for you. Yeah. For your for the disproportionately male colleagues, where do you think it fit? I Well, I would tell you that once the advocates came together, they started to scream and yell and protest, right, and advocate. We all came together as a caucus and as a body. You know, right. most, of, most of us in the caucus have children, right? Or we have grandbabies. So we all understood the need for childcare. And right. especially at the beginning of the pandemic, when we saw the first responders um, and, and having the childcare centers uh, losing the children, we understood that we have to support the first responders, right? That's, that's what we started off with. And we did a really nice job. I think we did a really wonderful job. We invested tons of money into childcare. One of the things we did in preparation for this reimagined childcare town hall meeting as we went on Facebook and Twitter and a whole range of social media platforms. Cecilia, you and your organization um, put out 
the fact that we were doing this town hall and we asked for questions. Some of them are on video, a whole range of them are social media questions that we have, and we summarize them, with, if you will. But I'm gonna go to a video question. I believe, team, this is from Megan, correct? This is from Megan, um, who, she can speak for herself, but she speaks for a lot of other people in asking this question. Let's go to Megan. Are any of the other issues worth the investment if we do not fix the compensation and staffing crisis that is affecting early education today? Wow, okay. So, so Seal, let me go to you. Megan's question is very clear. If we don't deal with the compensation issue, what is the value of the other investments in childcare if you do not have the professionals to be on the front lines? Because what if it's closing classrooms because she doesn't have enough staff, largely around compensation? Go ahead, Seal. So I think as we've learned more and more about the, the crisis and the impact on childcare, it's very apparent that the key to providing a childcare system for families and for our state is the staff. We have to engage staff, we have to prepare staff effectively. I think Winifred's description of what that staff person does, they're critical to the life of a very young child um, and we have to compensate them. I think that's, to me, that's the key. New Jersey has done a lot with federal money, the Federal CARES Act money, to address some of the crisis in childcare programs, parents, but the staffing issue is still one that needs to be resolved. Okay, let's stay on this. By the way, the, uh, the American Rescue Plan, uh, New Jersey received $700 million for child care. We're going to talk about where that money has gone and where it hasn't gone and what needs to be done. But Winifred, let me follow up with you based on what Seal said. Um, so you, you talked about the closing of the classrooms. You what does that mean, right? What does it mean when you close the classrooms in terms of how many children and families are affected? So... Um the fact that we are competing with Costco and Amazon for staff, right? Um, because they can pay higher wages, they can um, provide better benefits. When we can't open a classroom, you're talking about anywhere from 12 to maybe 20 students who could potentially be affected. Um, and that's 12 to 20 families who can't get service at that location. But this is happening across the state of New Jersey. So it's a big issue. So, so what about if someone says, wait a minute, why don't you just raise tuition? If you raise tuition, you'll have more, Seal's laughing and the assemblywoman's shaking her head. You just raise tuition, you have more revenue, more money to pay staff, keep the classes open, more kids get help. Winifred, you say? Um, so childcare is one of those things that you can only charge what the market can bear. It's not funded as a public good, like we think about our, you know, our K through 12 schools. Um, so we could raise tuition, but that literally a whole sector of families from low to moderate income to the working middle class, they wouldn't be able to afford it. It would literally be just for the wealthy. So let's be clear, though people of color, people disproportionately who are struggling financially are disproportionately affected by this crisis. While everyone's affected, some are affected more than others. Is that fair? That's fair. And the other thing I would like to point out is the women who generally are working in centers can't even afford to send their children to the centers that they are working in or others without some level of subsidy help. Dr. Lee, let me ask you something. We talked about the long-term implications of 
a child not having affordable, accessible, quality childcare. What does it do? And, our, and we are blessed that all of our children have had that. And I see our daughter, Olivia, as we're taping this program. It's not about our kids, but just ironically, taking her to her first day of middle school as we're doing this and realizing that the, the blessing, the gift that she had to have the experience she had as a two, three, four, five-year-old has a lot to do with her reading now. Not our daughter, anyone's son or daughter. What are the longer-term educational implications of a child not getting this kind of quality childcare at this stage of his or her development? Well, I think we can answer that question by starting to understand kind of what does high quality childcare do for children, both in the present as well as into the future. So when you think about kind of, you know, when there are major disasters and unusual events happen, like the pandemic, like a storm system and so on, one of the things that strong qualified childcare professionals do is they offer this protective buffer, which is the relationship that they have with children to help children deal with, articulate and play with the kind of stressors that they have in the here and now, right? So a lot of times we focus so much on the future, we forget like children live each day in the here and now, and that every positive relationship they have with their home families, with their caregivers outside the families, become this buffer that helps them to grow strong and positive in the moment. But then in addition to that, within the childcare and preschool setting, um, children learn the kind of very basic but essential skills that allow them to adapt to school, to adult life afterwards from as something as simple as collaborating, listening, sharing, or putting small words to big feelings and to be able to express all those things. All these are the fundamentals, right, of what human beings need in order to cope with the now and in order to prepare for the future. And in addition to that, Steve, it's not just the impact on the child, it's the impact on the family in the here and now, right? For families who are working, for families who are taking care of other children and elders at home, to have a safe place that they know they can entrust their children to, that their children can learn and grow while they attend to other urgent matters of what it means to be a family. All these things, I think, come together um, as the importance of childcare to children and to families. Well said. By the way, if you go on, on the website, not only steveautobato.org, but also we'll follow up with the website on Reimagine Childcare, you can see all the previous segments and programs we've done in this series around public awareness as it relates to the childcare crisis. Um, Assemblywoman, I want to go to you. You have specific legislation down in the State House that does what, A, and B, where is that legislation as it relates to the child care crisis? So I'm, I have th uh, I'm currently the prime sponsor of two of the bills, which um, thank you to Seal and to Cynthia from ACJ for helping me navigate through that process. And I am the second prime on um, uh, Assemblywoman Moscata's bill. So I'm going to summarize those bills for you, if you like. Um, Please, as concisely okay. as possible. Yeah, okay, okay. So the first one is attendance versus enrollment, right? And so- Attendance you know, versus, versus enrollment. Attendance, right, versus enrollment, right? Having to do with how the funding comes in, correct? Subsidies. I'm speaking ahead, about please. subsidies. 
Okay. So, you know, the most consequential issue facing the childcare industry is that um, right now with subsidies, we're, the childcare centers are being paid based on attendance and not enrollment. Um, and from a policy perspective, you know, public schools are paid on enrollment. And why shouldn't childcare centers be paid on enrollment? And, um, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly just summarize this for you because um, we um, we introduced the bill. It did pass the House, uh, and it's on the governor's desk now. Right now, there's a bill that has passed both houses, both houses, the and Senate sitting, and the lower house, yes, sitting on the governor's desk that would provide that would change the state subsidy system. And see if I have this wrong, Assemblyman, if I have this wrong, correct mm -hmm. me. That goes from enrollment. From, it's, uh, from attendance to attendance enrollment, to enrollment for two years. Why is that so critical? It's very critical because you know there's so many. Some as as a, as a former administrator, I would see our, our, some of the children would not attend school. That we're we're like operating on thin margins right now too. Also, so when the children don't attend school, we shouldn't be penalized for that. We should be paid by subsidy with enrollment. So Which is the way the public schools are? Yes, yeah. They're, but child, they're, wait a minute, child care organizations are different in the way they get state funding? Yeah, subsidies, correct. What, what's the logic behind that? So I think this happened during the Christie administration. I think that um, he, he was, I, I guess, you know, just implying that there was fraudulent activities taking place with the enrollment Peace. So he, governor, was saying in that administration, right. as I interpret it, that it, you only get paid if the kids are there, and there and there could be fraud going on or whatever. Right, and right. you're trying to change that. By the way, let's deal with that. H how do we protect against quote unquote fraud or abuse, and as opposed to legitimate reasons why kids are not there? So the state needs to put a process in place to evaluate. The, the the attendance of our students, right? And the enrollment of the students. And so this bill that we have right now with Moscata would require that subsidies be paid based on enrollment. You would have kind of a report, a process in place twice a year to um, kind of check in with the child care centers, right? Um, my hope is that if it does get approved, that we find the funding so that this, this enrollment process stays in place long-term. Okay, Seal, let me do this, because I know the Assembly has a second piece of legislation. We'll talk about that in the second half of this reimagined child care town meeting. Seal, concisely and clearly, help folks understand, because when we get into the weeds, and that's not a criticism, Assemblywoman, because sometimes the details matter, and that's where the issue is. Concisely and clearly, Seal, in this last minute we have on this segment, why does this matter so much? It matters because this provides stability to the programs that serve our lowest income families who have the least access to childcare. It's not just schools that are funded on the basis of enrollment. If you look at private pay childcare, a parent pays up front, right? A parent pays a month ahead, usually. If something happens, the child is absent, 
that it's not the it's not the program that pays. Programs that rely on childcare subsidies because they serve a low income community have no stability. Their payment comes afterwards based on how many children attended. And you know what? The state recognizes this is critical because we use the Federal CARES Act money to start paying on enrollment. It helped childcare survive during the pandemic. And it's what we need now to keep them stable. And, and let's do this. Um... We're going to pick up this conversation in part two of this reimagined child care town meeting. I want to thank our distinguished panel. I promise we'll continue this conversation. Look again on our website and the reimagined child care website for uh, more information. I'm Steve Adubato. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you check out part two. We have to reimagine child care. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by the Turrell Fund, supporting Reimagine Child Care, PNC, Grow Up Great, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, RWJ Barnabas Health, NJM Insurance Group, PSENG, New Jersey Institute of Technology, and by Choose New Jersey. Promotional support provided by New Jersey Family Magazine and by Meadowlands Chamber. New Jersey's early educators and childcare providers are more than twice as likely to live below the poverty line versus the general workforce. If we want our children to be successful, we need to increase the investment in the people who care for them. It is time to build back better by reimagining the way we support these essential providers. Learn more about the Reimagine Childcare campaign by visiting the website at reimaginechildcare.org.